Hello, I'm Joshua Groisberg, a history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. Uh, we'd like to welcome to the show the treasurer of the Columbia Democrats, Sebastian Chavadpour. Sebastian, welcome to the show. It's good to see you. Hi, thank you for having me. So to begin, what are your political leanings and where did your interest in politics come from? I, I like to call myself a pragmatic leftist in the sense that I believe that um, a lot of my fundamental beliefs are, are fairly leftist. Uh, I, I am a socialist. I, I believe in uh, policies such as uh, universal health care and such. But I also recognize that a lot of these policies are way too idealistic for the current state of our country. I think where the, the pragmatism come from. As for where I've kind of had the these um, political beliefs or where they came from. I think, honestly, just my, my upbringing in Arizona, it's a very contentious and polarized state for politics. And I think that the rise of sort of the um, the extreme right in the state sort of propelled me farther and left over the years. So we're recording this right before uh, Biden's 2023 state union address. So looking back at 2022, what do you think are the president's biggest accomplishments? And looking forward to the rest of this year, what do you think he will and should focus on? I think when it comes to his biggest accomplishments over the past year, I, I think, first of all, having one of the only midterms where a president gained governor seats and state legislations and democratic state legislatures that is was a massive accomplishment for him and i think was very much propelled not only by a deficit of good republican candidates but also i think that biden really came out swinging with some pretty good policies in the near the end of the year for example like student loan forgiveness i know was one that people in our generation especially have been clamoring for for months and so that was a very uh, sort of radical policy that I think really boosted his support among people our age. I think when it comes to the foreign policy front with this consistent defense of Ukraine and against very much is one of our biggest sort of uh, foreign adversaries right now of Russia was also a great move. And then finally, I think one of the biggest policies that he had that is a little bit um, hidden under the rug and not many people focus on is, is the CHIPS Act that he helped propel in order to sort of reduce our dependence on Taiwan's uh, semiconductor factories. I think that really helps uh, the US in order to stay competitive helps to drive down prices for consumers and really helps to sort of decrease rapid inflation that the country has been afflicted with this time. I think when it comes to the policies in the future, I think very much now, especially with the recent uh, horrific case of police brutality, I think that Biden really needs to focus a lot on on sort of social issues that really taken a back burner over the past year. Uh, for example, when it comes to addressing police violence, gun violence with a massive wave of shootings in California, I think these things are, are, are still fairly pertinent and he's made steps towards them, but I don't think they're sufficient enough. Obviously, something that's going to change for Biden's agenda going forward is that now, since the midterm elections, the House has now fallen into GOP hands with a new speaker, Kevin McCarthy. Now that the House is in GOP hands, what do you think their primary objectives will be? I think it's trying to figure out whatever the hell Hunter Biden has on that laptop, even though we've done months of investigations already and they turned up nothing. And I think that's just really indicative of the GOP strategy is going to be, which is just consistent investigations of the Biden administration, Biden's family, 
family and uh, other sort of top ranking Democratic officials for absolutely no reason at all. Like I know there's rumors of them investigating Adam Schiff's solely because of his investigation to the January 6th insurrection. And I don't know when it comes to like actual policy, if if the GOP really has anything important that they can stand on. Kevin McCarthy has to sort of wrangle extremist conservatives and moderate conservatives, and he doesn't have the skill that Nancy Pelosi had when she had the gavel. And so I think when it comes to uniting the Republicans on a common front, the only thing they can really do are just sort of useless resolutions condemning Biden's actions or investigations into something that Biden has done. But when it comes to real policy, I don't think McCarthy can really do anything. His party is disjointed right now. Do you think the GOP will stick with McCarthy for at least the next two years until 24? How strong is his hold on the speakership given you know all those 15 ballots that he had to go for in order to speak his gap? I, I will say it's not looking good for, for Kevin right now, especially since he ag- agreed to that concession that anyone can bring up a vote to challenge the speaker. I think that when it comes to more dramatic pieces of legislation that come in in the next two years, that that will be employed pretty frequently by the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, etc. I think when it comes to him just trying to wrangle that that really far right sector of, of the GOP, he's going to very much fail. He's going to be challenged consistently. And I think that once he no longer matters to President Trump, then a lot more people will sort of jump ship. I truly think that McCarthy really only scraped by by the skin of his teeth solely because uh, Trump's real, real insistence that even his most staunchest allies should keep with McCarthy and stick by him. Even though like that didn't really help persuade people like Matt Gates, it, it did eventually. I very much doubt that uh, McCarthy can really keep the gavel once he lacks the Don's uh, endorsement. I want to shift now to the upcoming 2024 presidential election, which is closer than we think. In your opinion, do you anticipate any chamber of Congress flipping in 2024? Ooh, I honestly think that when the Senate is a very, very dangerous map right now when it comes to, to Democrats. I, I don't believe Joe Manchin is running again, and that's just basically a guaranteed Republican takeover. And just when it comes to other sort of seats, for example, uh, Kirsten Cinema is is going to be challenged by Gallego in Arizona, and who knows if moderates will like Gallego and his more sort of progressive leaning towards things like immigration and crime. I think when it comes to the, these sort of seats. They prove to be really contentious battlegrounds, and I don't know if the Democrats will really have the strength in order to protect it. I don't know if they'll have the same momentum they did in 2022 during those midterms. So I very much honestly expect the Senate to flip to Republicans. House, I think, is a, is a different question. If, if Kevin McCarthy keeps up with what is essentially a two-year lame duck period and doesn't get anything done, I truly do think that the House could, could potentially swing back to Democrats, especially if the New York uh, Democratic Party kind of, excuse my language, gets their shit together and actually decides to gerrymander the seats a bit and not have a Republican takeover. It, it is an embarrassment that George Santos is someone representing New York State, and that's just all up to the incompetence of the New York Democratic Party. I just want to touch on Arizona for a second. You're from Arizona and, you know, you know, you're part of the Columbia Democrats. How do you feel as an Arizonan, as a Democrat about Kirsten Sinema? Because this isn't like Joe Lieberman becoming independent and then winning against Neda Lamont, whoever the Republican was in 2006. This is a whole different ballgame in 2024. So what are your thoughts on that? My, my opinions of Kirsten Sinema are, are, are not good. Uh, as someone that actually personally knows her, her family, uh, I will say even her family hates her. It's quite crazy the amount of dislike that she gets in Arizona, especially because moderates dislike her because, uh, I mean, conservatives dislike her because she's not conservative enough. Democrats dislike her because she's not democratic enough. And 
and the sort of moderate position that she's trying to stay in in Arizona just isn't working out for her. She doesn't have the sort of charisma or power that Mark Kelly has, even though he is a moderate and running on a very moderate platform. No one honestly knows what Kirsten Sinema is doing as someone that's worked a lot in Arizona government. Everyone's just sort of waiting for Ruben Gallego to hurry up and primary her just because doesn't really do much to the state. And uh, even for people that are living in it, she hardly goes and visits communities, hardly interacts with constituents. Uh, people honestly don't know where she is. And her office is radio silent. Uh, actually, I'll bet you $5 that if you try calling them uh, at every hour of the day, they will not pick up the phone because they do not have anyone staffing the phones. It very much is a really odd situation. And from what I know, most Arizonans are, are fairly disappointed in her. I mean, is she going to spoil this independent bit? Is she going to spoil Gallego? Is it on not going to be Carrie? Lake or Blake Masters or Doug Ducey see is it if the Republican candidate is strong enough? That's the thing that's, that scares me is, is the possibility of cinema running independent. I don't think she will. I don't think she has the political capital or support needed to be an, an independent. Donald Trump, if DeSantis wins a nomination, I expect Donald Trump to be run as independent because he has that power in his base. Cinema doesn't really. I don't know any sort of organizations that would stick by cinema more than they would stick by Gallego. And when it comes to- No labels, it, all those little independent, independent organizations. True, but even like independent organizations, they, they require a, a politician to be competent enough to, in order to spur and, and have moderate policy passed. But cinema doesn't really the amount of bills that cinema has co-sponsored and successfully passed is honestly near zero and most arizonans again have not had any connection with her at all so i think that even these independent organizations in arizona will recognize that a lot of regular everyday constituents are very disappointed in her and in her inability to sort of address the needs of everyday arizonans honestly again arizona's battleground uh it's it's going to be an odd one especially whoever is going to be republican candidate i think gop realized that you can't can't elect some creepy tech guy like Blake Masters. They're going to need to position a really good candidate. I honestly have no idea who that's going to be. And uh, I think their only successful one could possibly be Doug Ducey, but he will never enter Arizona politics again. That that man is done. I just to stick on Arizona for a second. That state's a lot more competitive than our home state of Massachusetts. What do you got now? A Democrat governor and a Republican legislature, very narrow Republican legislature, at least in the House from, a, from what I looked at. How is that shaping up? How, is anything going to get done in your state? You know, is that going to trickle up to the national politics? How is that da dynamic dynamic of the state changing post John McCain, post 2020 Biden win, post 2022, the two senators winning it out? It is very worrying, especially when it comes to the um, the, perf the performance that Katie Hobbs can have as governor. I was invited to her state of the state address and I, I kind of oversaw when legislature first came into session and when they were first discussing uh, how they're going to respond to a new Democratic governorship. It was a, a radical change in Arizona politics. And it's something that I don't think Republicans are going to be used to. They're, they're not used to a, a governor sort of pushing back against their policies. But from what I know, most of the Arizona legislature, surprisingly enough, is fairly moderate and fairly open to concession. Of course, there are a lot of sort of really radical, really extremist conservatives. One of them, uh, who I know personally, her name is Liz Harris, and she represents my district in Arizona, and she is absolutely insane. And she's trying to champion legislation that to like ban drag queens and to ban CRT from being taught in schools, even though I know the school that she sends her kids to and that they're definitely not teaching CRT. It's just a mess. And I honestly have worries for how the Hobbs governorship is going to look like. 
But I do think that Arizona as a whole is shifting into becoming a definite solid blue state. I think that because of the way that Republicans have gerrymandered the map, that's the only reason why they have won so many House districts. But I think give it four, five, six more years, and it's just going to become more and more liberal, mostly because all the Republican voters are concentrated in several counties and they're generally just senior citizens. And once more young people are able to vote, it's just going to become more and more progressive. I mean, Phoenix, the capital of the state, is already an incredibly progressive city. I believe the fastest growing city in the country right now. They've installed like an electrical vehicle program. They've made their own sort of abortion ordinances directly fighting back against the governor. Very progressive city. And I think it's very representative of how Arizona is currently going to be trending in the near future. Could whoever runs 2024 for the GOP, Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Republicans still win Arizona in 2024 and 2028? I mean, is that still, you know, that's the popular vote. That's not, you know, Republican gerrymandering. That's still, you know, Republicans still employ there on a national level? I think it depends on the candidate. I think if Trump were to run again, I think that he would generally be clobbered by Biden or whoever else is going to run on the Democratic side, just because I feel like Arizona has very much moved on from his sort of obscene rhetoric and division. And Arizona is very much afflicted by polarization. I think a lot of Arizonans are kind of hoping to move away from it. I do, however, think that DeSantis has a solid chance. And this is something Democrats don't realize is that moderates love DeSantis. Even Democratic ones that are leaning like on the border from like Democratic to independent. I've spoken to them myself. A lot of them enjoy DeSantis because he can get stuff done. That is one thing you cannot hate on him for. Yeah, you can hate his policies, but you can't hate his worth his work ethic. But don't you think that having a legislature that is kind of politically aligned with you helps him get stuff done like that? True. I'm not denying the the impact of like having a Republican legislature, but think about it even in comparison to any other Republican state with a Republican legislature. Like, for example, Doug Ducey pre-2022 with the Republican legislature of, of Arizona. The thing about Ron DeSantis is he knows how to control the narrative, how to control media, and how to control policy. Because every time he makes this big radical policy, you hear about it all over the news. You never hear about the policies from any other state. And so now Florida has ascended into becoming essentially GOP's like major stronghold. DeSantis has been elevated to a national position solely because of his ability to like control this narrative. And it's crazy because he's just like a regular white guy veteran, two Ivy League degrees. He somehow is relatable. It's getting kind of scary just how much popularity he's picking up. We do have one more question for you. And we're not sure whether Biden is going to touch upon this in the State of the Union speech or how soon he's going to talk about this. But do you think Biden will run for a second term? And if not, who do you think would be in line to possibly succeed him as a Democratic nominee in 2024? Do you have any personal preferences? I do think and I do hope that Biden does run again. I think that there is a, not exaggerating, there is a solid chance the man will croak and die before we get to 2024. But I do hope that he does run because incumbency is a massive bonus and can overcome a lot. I really believe that if Trump didn't have COVID, he would have won the election solely just based off incumbency. Incumbency is so powerful. And I think that Biden really needs to make use of that. Also, because over the past year, his accomplishments have been pretty great. As I said, CHIP acts, the Inflation Reduction Act, the Student Loan Forgiveness. He's made some really big strides in, in his policy. Uh, but when it comes to uh, on the off chance that he does perish and not run, I think that I don't really want Kamala Harris to run because I don't think she has the charisma or popularity to, to help her out. I think, honestly, the only choice that comes to my mind is Gavin Newsom. And even then, he's like a, not a good candidate, but he's 
amassing money for it. He's trying to put himself. Jeb Bush. I mean, Jeb Bush raised what twenty million dollars in the primary, and look, work where he is now. I mean, look, Gavinism. He survived a recall election. I mean, that's not exact. Come give me, you know, three hundred electoral votes here. True, and that's why I think he would be a horrible candidate. But I can't think of any other Democratic candidate that could possibly win a primary other than maybe Governor Pritzker. Gretchen Whitmer. Jared Polis, Warnock, Mark Healy. I, don't think, I mean, I don't think Warnock has the amount of like political capital and presence in order to run for president. He's only been senator for a little bit over the two years now, and that's it. Whitmer, I don't think would want to derail all the progress she made in Michigan and run for president. She seems to be very tied down to the idea of like, I am going to work for Michigan and keep it blue for the next four or five years. I think that in 2028, there is a solid chance that Whitmer will want, to, will want to run, but I don't think she's really shown the initiative so far. But Newsom has. Newsom's scarily confident about running for president at some point. He's been taking out billboards attacking Ron DeSantis in Florida. That does nothing for him other than increase his presence on the national stage. And he loves the media and he loves attention. And I, I think that very... I mean, he wants to be versus Richard Newsom Nixon, even. basically. What are you going to do? I mean, everyone sees him as, I'm sorry, an asshole. Like, yeah. no one actually... Personally, likes him. Like for some, in some respect, people like on. Donald Trump. In some respect, like Trump fans actually thought he was a good person on some level. No one actually thinks that about Gavin Newsom. No one actually says, "Yes, that's a likable person. I want representing my country in the world stage." The fighter attitude only apply, only applies to like a big celebrity like Donald Trump. Not even you know they have a Newsom. Agreed. Well, that's also, why what agree. would he even run on? What would his record be? I mean, his record as governor of California, how would you really play that? Because right-wing media has been attacking him for many years. So do you think there's a chance you could turn that around and paint himself as a, as a successful governor or is his record pretty much some stone? I think that he does actually have a record of a few good policies. Like, for example, California being the first state to launch a free school lunch program where lunch is free for all students, regardless of, of whether they qualify for food stamps or not. Then there's his like gun control acts, which I would have said would have done a lot if it wasn't for the spree of shootings that happened in the past month. I also think that he, a lot of his like stimulus checks in order to like bolster the California economy. I believe California was the only state they came out of the pandemic with a massive budget surplus. He has policy that is effective and works. The problem is, is that his media team is god awful. He keeps trying to be in the media, but usually it's for bad reasons and he kind of really screws it up. I think that he has good charisma, but his team is just really bad at uh, showing the impact of his policies. And it's just really leads to him being a sort of deficient candidate when it comes to any sort of presidential election. That's why I really hope it's, it's just Biden and I don't see anyone else really challenging him. Well, thanks, Sebastian, so much. Thanks for answering all our questions. This was great. We learned a lot. And uh, thanks for coming on our show again. Of course. Thank you for having me. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zero's Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zero's Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zero's Talk Poly with an I, and add our email us to ask your burning questions. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.